I was diagnosed five and a half years ago. Um, my sister died of breast cancer, um, well, 20 years ago from now. Um, and so I was on a family screening program, um, but I had never, hadn't been genetically tested for it, but I went every year and had a mammogram. And so I was used to going every year and it was always fine. And you know, one assumed that would always be the case. Um, anyway, obviously I went and they spotted something and um, I went back and it was obviously a, a small cancer. Um, so I think obviously the first reaction you have is just a kind of shock and a kind of blind panic, I think, about what's going to happen. Um, a real sense of sort of... Um, the thing I, I, I suppose I think back on now is that I panicked about tiny things like appointments and um, think, you know, so if a doctor said, I can't see you till tomorrow, you felt that was the, you know, the end of the world, it would all be over by then. So I think there's a sort of a, a real few weeks of just sort of blind panic of trying to find out what's going to happen, what your treatment will be. Um, and I was very worried and uh, about telling my parents particularly because obviously they'd already lost one daughter to cancer there's only there was only two of us so um, that was one of the big anxieties I had around telling them um, and also I had a 11 year old son at the time so actually telling him so my treatment was I had a lumpectomy so they took the lump out and then I had um, three months of chemotherapy um, and I I'd always I think thought that if it ever happened to me I would try and get some counselling and some help because my sister never did that at all and my family never did that after she died and you know I come from quite a, a sort of lower middle class family up north who never would do they'd never get counselling for anything they just wouldn't see that as an option so um, my sister had two small children at the time they never saw anybody her husband never saw anyone my mum and dad didn't see anyone and you know, I've obviously moved to London and adopted soft southern ways and I thought, fine, I would definitely see somebody. So I did find, sort of just went out and found a counsellor to go and see who I saw through the three months of my chemotherapy. And um, that was that was good and um, helpful and I would just go and see her and basically cry for an hour and that was fine. She'd give me some handouts about other people who had suffered illness and she talked to me about a couple of things that have stuck with me um, and I do think that was quite helpful. I'm not sure what she could have done to sort of better get me through that period because in a way I think during your treatment time you have a, a different set of anxieties that are just taken up with the with the treatment and with physical stuff that's going on so um, uh, you know hair's falling out, you're feeling sick, you're feeling a lot of sort of physical stuff that you're coping with. And in a way, that's, for me, that was a kind of, a bit of a distraction, I think, from how I felt mentally about things, because it was just a case of getting through the treatment. Um, and then Christmas came, and it was the last, last of my chemos, and um, a friend of mine, who I'd known for a long time, um, had had breast cancer years before and had developed side of it, anyway, she died. And that was a real, I think, sort of, I don't know, just because it was Christmas, I can remember getting Christmas decorations and thinking, I won't be doing this next year, um, putting them away again, thinking this is the last time I'll see the decorations. And there was something about Catherine dying as well, I think, that just had a real kind of heavy impact on me. Um, and then because I would, had been discovered I was a BRCA1 gene carrier, and if you're a BRCA1 gene carrier, you have um, a very high likelihood that cancer will come back. So um, obviously one of the treatments for that is um, you can have a 
prevented mastectomy. So that's what I decided to do, which I then had in the February. So very quickly after my chemo, I thought, I just want to get this all over with. I want to do it. I want to have the operation. Um, and actually, I think it was post all of that that I really then started to struggle um, with just how I felt and sort of struggle with mentally about how I was going to cope with sort of life after all of that was was done. Um, I mean, it was a massive operation. It was like 17 hours of surgery. Um, changed the way I looked. It changed, you know, how my body looked. Um, so stuff that I never really thought I was that bothered about in terms of how my body looked sort of compounded, I think, how I was feeling mentally. And, yeah, I think it was it was after all of that that I really then started to struggle with with anxiety. And I don't know if what I had was depression, but certainly with being very low about what the future was was going to be like. I mean, I knew this was not the right way to feel, um, and I'd never felt anything like that before. I wouldn't say I was particularly, you know, I was not prone to depression before. Um, but I think there's also a sense of, is this how I'm supposed to feel? Is this, um, you know, am I as bad as other people? Um, I didn't really want to be around other cancer patients very much um, because I just, I felt like I didn't really want their stories in my life, so I didn't really know, is this a common feeling? Is this, you know, how long one would expect this to go on for? Um, am I bad enough to go and see somebody? Um, yeah, so I think it's that kind of just unexpectedness as well, that you sort of anticipate when this is over, it's over and you'll feel better and, and actually you don't feel worse. I actually got referred from the hospital in the end, so I was very lucky, I think, in that my treatment was very holistic. I was treated at Barts in London, and they have a very good breast cancer centre there, and um, my oncologist, every time I was going to see my oncologist, I was sort of, oh, I'm worried about this, what about my sore throat, what about, and she said, I think you should go and see the clinical psychologist, so she referred me to the clinical psychologist there, who was actually quite helpful, um, and talked a lot about health anxiety, and, um, did give me, I think, things that I could compare myself to. So, um, and also just the sense that actually this is not an unreasonable thing for you to be feeling. That um, it's a bit, you know, like a uh, post sort of post shock thing that you've been through. So I remember somebody saying to me, you know, um, you will wake up one day and cancer won't be the first thing you think about. And me thinking, that's ridiculous. It'll always be the first thing I think about. And of course. Fortunately for me, I haven't had a recurrence. And so, you know, time has gone by and it isn't the first thing I think about um, anymore. And that's, you know, really fortunate for me. But I also think there is, I remember one of the people I saw saying, and this is a bit of dramatic comparison, but she compared getting a diagnosis of cancer to being a bit like the kind of 9-11 planes in that there's like a pre-cancer world, which you kind of look back on as some sunny you know, uplands where nothing ever went wrong in your life and, you know, everything was great and why can't I have that life again? And then, you know, the planes crash, you get your diagnosis and you think, we won't survive this. Nothing, you know, I won't survive it, we won't survive it. And then gradually you do survive it. But the world has changed and it's, it's now a different world. It's a slightly less good world probably because you've always, because A, you know you can get this disease, but also you know you could fall back into that kind of mental blackness that I'd never experienced before. Um, I would say I, w I was like that for maybe two and a half years, maybe. It, it got better, and now I don't feel depressed, but I do know that I could, 
I, it could happen again. And there are times when, particularly if I get some sort of recurring illness, I can feel that sense coming back again. So, you know, I had a cough before Christmas that wouldn't go away. Um, and I could feel that sense of sort of doom and panic coming back again. Um, and I guess that's something that is always, you know, that will always be will always be there. An interesting thing I think that's a, an experience I had was because so we work with homeless people who, you know, we um, we could you know services are done unto them and I'd never really been in that position where services were done unto me before. So having something like cancer really gives you a sense of what it's like to be on the recipient end of treatments, but also something like an organisation like Breast Cancer Care where suddenly you're the statistic and you're the person that's being helped and that's a very odd feeling um, but actually I think it's really helped with my work because it gives me a sense of that we can all be this sounds so cliche but we can all be in these positions it's not an us and them and so the people we see might be you know their issue might be homelessness but lots of them goodness sake have mental health issues that's one of the reasons why so many people are homeless of course I think it's probably harder to have a a stigma around mental health. I mean, having a stigma, I don't even know if there is a stigma around cancer. Um, there's sort of baggage that goes with it and, you know, people have a certain reaction when you tell them you've had it, but I think it's uh, it's also not a thing you're supposed to be able to cope with yourself, whereas, you know, you're supposed to be able to go to a doctor and they have the expertise and the treatment, whereas I think mental health is a much more... Um, tricky thing for other people to um, to think about or to know how to react to or um, to give you sympathy with or you know any of those kind of things um, whereas I think for something like cancer it's difficult for people but you know it's pretty clear-cut they bake you a cake or they come to a hospital appointment with you or they you know take you out for a cup of coffee or whatever um, and maybe they're the same things you do for someone who is depressed but I don't think people necessarily would would necessarily make that kind of leap.